views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili. Epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. Now here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hey everybody, it's so great to be connecting with all of you. What a great show we've got planned for you today. I just want to be really, really clear. For many of us, you've been tuning into the show for, wow, what is it now? Let me just count for a little bit if I can just go back a little trip down memory lane. About 10 or 11 years And um, when we first started to do this show, we were, I would have to say, pretty much guessing. Um, I I know Dr. Darvish and probably Dr. Rawls joining me here today. I don't know if he would agree with me or not. But we have been on a mission and have had a vision to get this thing absolutely exposed and to provide solutions that's what Dr. William Rawls is here joining me and talking about today. Um, when we think about our lives, we don't think that someday we're going to have to wake up and write an amazing book like the one that he's written, Unlocking Lime, which we have here. You're going to see lots of pictures of it. But more importantly, what is it about this, you know, board certified OBGYN from East Coast, North Carolina, guy that's out in the world, hiking, biking, like many of us like to do. But what is it about all of that that has had him extensively write about, talk about, and help people with Lyme disease about? What is it about that? Today, this fabulous book that I think if I'd have had this book, you know, 11 years ago or 10 years ago or any many years ago, or even for some of you a year ago, your life could be fundamentally different in a short period of time. Uh, Dr. Rawls, great to have you here. Um, man. Well, th- thank you, Dr. Pat. And that's a great introduction. Thank you very much. But you know what's funny about it is that, you know, you and I, we like outdoors, we like to hike, I like to skydive. I mean, you know, those things that we like to do, we don't think about as if I'm out there doing it, wow, do I have to worry about a tick? Well, like, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I... Yeah, I, I, I'm a lot more tick paranoid than I used to be. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I would rather walk on a beach than a than than a than densely, uh, forest bushed forest. But um, I I still do do a lot of hiking. Yeah. I do a lot of outdoor activities, and I'm I'm just more vigilant. Um, you know. ticks have gotten on me in the past 10 years, but none have bitten me in the past seven to 10 years, I'm sure. 
just because I'm really careful. Um, I don't use DEET. I'm really sensitive to it. I use uh, essential oil sprays when I need them. But quite frankly, just being vigilant. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, just just a short story. Um, I, you, you get hypersensitive to this. I was asleep in bed about two weeks ago. Now, I have a dog, and he sleeps on my wife's side. And uh, so he was on the other side of the bed. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I was just startled awake by something. And my reflexes, I immediately... Uh, grabbed, took one hand and locked it over that spot and picked it up and it was a tick crawling on me. Somehow I had become aware of it from a dead sleep at three in the morning. Wow. So, so, you know, a lot of it is just vigilance, awareness and, and, you know, checking yourself, uh, taking showers after being out in the woods, that sort of thing. And uh, I think we just all should be smart about those kinds of things. All ticks carry yeah. microbes. It's you know every tick bite is an invitation for microbes to enter your system. So, yeah. So, but but you can live around that. That it's um, that's part of living with the, the things in our modern world that are affecting us is learning to live around the threats so you can have a great life. You know what really is cool about what we're talking about here, and you and I were chatting before we had the show before the show, right? And (laughs) because what we were looking at and talking about was the idea that we have to do more to educate ourselves now. You and I certainly wouldn't be here having this conversation if there wasn't a personal experience. You know, let's talk about you know, your journey of discovery and certainly how that journey of discovery then translated into one of the best go-to books I've ever picked up. Everything okay. from the kind of things you can drink, like my big uh, chago tea that I call it, you know, it's amazing tea, right? And you make the tea awesome. and then you leave it around and you drink it and, oh, and what not to eat. So your journey when did it start, and what was the call to action? Um, it didn't start with knowing I had Lyme disease, which I think right. is typical of most people. Mm-hmm. I grew up spending my life, a good portion of my life, in the woods playing and was a fairly extreme outdoor person. I was in scouts and everything else, and you know, tick bites were really common when I was younger. Um so I feel fairly sure I carried these microbes in my system for a very, very long time. Um, but I chose obstetrics and gynecology as a specialty and wanted to get the best training possible and taking to take it to a small area on the coast of North Carolina, which I did. Um, and, but that meant taking rigorous call every second to third night. And about uh, you know, 17 to 20 years into that, uh, taking call, being a, a community uh, person, a good father, a good husband, you know, trying to do it all, um, what's what the sacrifice was sleep. So I, you know, and, and for a long time, I could take call, not sleep, crash one night and be back. But I started getting to the point that I couldn't. Uh, bounce back that I was not sleeping on the nights off call. And during that time, 
I just started developing all these bizarre symptoms of, you know, migrating uh, uh, arthritis and unusual rashes and brain fog and, and all the symptoms we now know as chronic Lyme disease. Um, but it wasn't until that insult to my immune system, to all of that call and the stressful lifestyle that it caught up with me. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's significant. You know, when I talk to patients with chronic Lyme, I'm always looking for that perfect storm of factors that came together to disrupt immune function. And, and uh, so in the beginning, I thought I had fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you do all the tests, all the tests are normal. I did the screening test for Lyme. It was negative. Um, found out later on that it was Lyme. Um, and now when I look at fibromyalgia, um, I look at it as either someone who doesn't have a positive Borrelia diagnosis or someone who has other, other kinds of stealth microbes on board. But I think they're often one and the same, um, yeah. along with you know, chronic fatigue and a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what's fascinating about this too is that um, I, I asked somebody a question, uh, I think it was about a year ago. And I said, I said something like, doesn't anybody wonder how fibromyalgia just popped up? Like maybe, what was it? Maybe 20 years ago, maybe not, maybe not even, but all of a sudden it was this thing and people complained about pain, excruciating pain uh, throughout ting- You can't touch them. Right. And all of a sudden we have fibromyalgia. Um, uh, you know, and, and I think that we have done a lot. Books like yours, for example, Unlocking Lyme. It is a book that most people should read, but I'm finding something interesting that I wanted to ask you about, and I wonder if you went through it. I'm finding that it's almost now, even people on the East Coast, like in New England, right, where this thing is like everywhere almost, um, would rather not get the test and not know and are relieved when they go to their doctor and they get the regular test and it says you don't have it. Yeah. And even with them knowing that, what are you finding? I mean, there's a sense of freedom and denial at some level, but yeah. again, you're not getting better. It's, it's, I think there's a fundamental flaw in how we pr- approach chronic illness mm-hmm. in general. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, you look at, yes, that's true. Fibromyalgia didn't exist as a diagnosis um, before 20 years ago, but it was because before 1960s, the, the conventional medical system didn't really even address chronic illness at all. I mean, my grandfather and great-grandfather were general practitioners, and people were just sickly. There were a lot of people out there. I remember going on house calls with him, and people were sickly, and it wasn't those people didn't get medical attention until they developed something acute. So our whole system is built around treating acute illness. And that's why we do it with drugs and surgery, because those things are designed to treat acute illness. So what, as we started into the 60s, 70s, and 80s treating chronic illness, we used the same tools. We started using, we, we used drugs and surgery 
acute tools to treat chronic illness, and it just doesn't work very well. So to, to use that system, you got to have a diagnosis. So, mm-hmm. you know, fibromyalgia is considered a disorder, and that basically means we don't really know what causes it, but here's this collection of symptoms that seems to be fairly similar in this group of people. Let's give it a name, and then we can give it a ICD-10, ICD-9 code, and then we can bill for it. That's a big part of it. Um, and we can treat the symptoms. So it's um, so so that's a big part of it. It's it's basically just a description of a lot of people that were sickly before that diagnosis came around. And it was just it, it it's an evolution of the coding systems and how we deal with chronic illness that we've started including all of these uh, bizarre diagnoses on, so we can code for them and bill for them and get paid. Basically. Well, but it boils down. I got to tell you, you know, I went to school for eight years to study psychology and the coding that we are in the middle of with psychological things, the coding descriptions, you do. You have to cut, you're going to have to go to therapy yeah. just to get through yeah. the coding. Let's take a short break. We come back. Infections, infections, infections. Yeah. What about that tooth infection that just won't go away? What about that thing? Oh, but I got the Lyme test. I don't have Lyme. Wow. Stay tuned. Dr. William Rawls, fabulous book, Unlocking Lyme. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you traveling most of your day? Do you want to take Transformation Talk Radio with you anywhere you go? Well, guess what? There's an app for that. Just go to the App Store on your Apple device or the Google Play Store on your Android and search Transformation Talk Radio. Catch all of our live shows no matter where you are. Thanks for listening. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Do you feel that there's a bigger, better life for you? Is there anything holding you back from living the life you were meant to live? If you'd like to find your life's true purpose and calling, join the world's foremost authority on primal spirituality. David Carr share in Becoming a Sun Radio, emotional and spiritual intelligence for a happy, fulfilling life. Tune in once a month to Becoming a Sun Radio with David Carr share on the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit davidcarshare.com today. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Welcome to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of the Dr. Pat Show, and I am so thrilled that we've created this venue for all of you out there. Dr. Pat Basile will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. What we have heard 
is that you want to ensure for us that we keep positive, holistic, uplifting, transformative talk radio on the air. We're excited to bring you the contemporary conversations about Lyme disease. We promise not to let the light fade on Lyme. So fasten your seatbelts. We've got lots more to share with you in the weeks to come. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio with Dr. Pat and help keep our mission strong on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Brand consultant Jen Morgan is here with Radically Distinct Radio to help you take control of your future and maximize your brand's power to produce results. Whether you're an individual trying to reinvent yourself and launch a new venture, or you're an executive trying to reposition your company to modernize your sales and marketing programs, Jen Morgan and the RAD Method empower you to play to your strengths and show up in the world as your most powerful brand. To learn more, go to jenmorgan.com, that's Jen with two N's, morgan.com, or call 206 Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Dr. Pat. You're listening to Lime Talk Radio and we're thrilled to be chatting with all of you as usual in the show. Um, our toll-free line is open and so is our instant feedback. You can go to transformationtalkradio.com and right there, what you can do is simply type in your question. We've, we've got a question box. Um, the other thing is 1-800-930-2819. Um, Dr. William Rawls joining me here today. We're going to take your questions and see if we can get you, uh, uh, you know, some, some answers. 1-800-930-2819. The other thing is I want to make sure everybody knows how to get a copy of the book, Unlocking Lyme. What is the best way for people to get a copy of the book and also find out about you? Um, well, two ways. You can go directly to Amazon um, or you can go to my website, RawlsMD.com. Uh, that's probably an easier way to find out more about me and the things that I do and, and, and the programs that we are trying to set up, uh, health coaching is a part of that. So we're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, so that's a nice way to, to find out a little bit more about those things. Yeah. And I love that you're doing that. And, you know, you, I don't want to just blow by this idea of coaching because let's get to that. You know, you and I were talking during a break and, you know, this segment here now coming up is, you know, let's talk about co-infections or let's just talk about infections. But part of this is when somebody is not well, they don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do with their lives. Usually there are family members that just say, why can't you go take a pill and like be better? Uh, and then, you know, the other problem is, which some of us have faced is on the outside, we look great. You know what I mean? Yeah. We look like, yeah. oh man, look at him, Dr. Rawls. Look at her, Dr. Pat. We, they just look like, oh, what, what yeah, what's yeah. wrong with you people? Um, and don't you find that that happens a lot though? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I, I happen, it happened to me. You know, here I was in this uh, small town and practicing OBGYN, had a great reputation, and suddenly I couldn't do call anymore. And my partners asked me to leave because, you know, you, you look at me and it's like, well, what's the matter with you? You look fine. And I ended up starting a medical practice out in the community just doing gynecology and primary care. But you know, the community, a small community, it's like, well, what's up with him? And I really had to hide the fact that I had this illness 
to function because nobody wants to go see some, a doctor that's sick. Um, so it, it, it was a real conundrum, uh, an unusual position to be in, for sure. Well, and, you know, let's continue the journey with you um, and the discoveries along the way, because I'm really a believer that every journey, as difficult as it is, you know, literally helps us rise up and, you know, rise up to new levels of discovery. Uh, And, you know, here you are, thriving practice, still not feeling well. What is it? What was the light bulb that went on for you? Well, it's, uh, I, I think at first, like everyone, I grasp out to others. Um, you know, everybody wants that, that other person to take responsibility and make you well, give you something, do something to you, fix you, and let you go on with your life. And what you find with chronic illness is that just really doesn't exist. And I look back on it now as fortune, but I was trapped in a situation where um, my income ability was dramatically threatened. I had started this practice that I was tied to and I couldn't leave town. So I couldn't go to someone else. Um, I couldn't, I had to use the resources in town. I exhausted my internist uh, through testing and found out, you know, I didn't have some horrible thing. Um, and used all the testing that I had locally, but I really didn't have the ability or the finances to fly across the country and see a specialist. So, but something, my intuition told me I had to figure it out because if I could figure it out, I could help an awful lot of people. So my, my practice almost became my laboratory you know, I was I was searching for things myself and at the same time helping others that were in similar situations search and looking at chronic illness differently. Um, you know, we're trained to look at chronic illness from a forward point of view. You know, you, you take the history and the symptoms and you do the physical exam and you get the labs and you find the diagnosis and you treat the diagnosis. And what I recognized was that's not how you treat chronic illness. Chronic illness is a disruption of the immune system and, and homeostasis, the balance of everything in the body. And so you start to, you've got to go backwards and start analyzing, all right, what caused that disruption? Why do I have this disruption? So I made a list of things This took several years of research, but it really boils down to seven categories of things that we're all exposed to. Um, And our genes are a factor, but less than you would think. But it's it's the food we eat. Look at the food that modern society eats. It's the toxins that we're exposed to, insidious toxins that that are are mostly from a petro-powered world. Uh, it's emotional stress. We're all running from the tiger continually. We're constantly in that fight or flight response. Physical stress, not as much anymore. Maybe 1900, that was a big factor, but now we just sit in front of the television all the time. Sedentary lifestyle is a killer. EM devices, artificial radiation, how is that affecting us? Um, and then free radicals and inflammation is a category. And then it's the microbes. 
what is how are how is our microbiome being affected? Our microbiome is the collection of microbes in our body. You know, we start from what what um, our our mother and and the surrounding environment give us when we're born, but but we add to that collection throughout our lives. You know, every time you get a tick bite, a mosquito bite, you you hug somebody, you have intimate contact, you eat things, you drink things. There's so many opportunities for host-seeking microbes to enter our bodies. So when you look at this, we all have a baseline of these things that I call microbes in the margins in our microbiome. Some, like Borrelia that causes Lyme disease, is worse than others. But we all have them. So these other factors disrupt immune function, and that's when things start boiling over. It's like a roaring pot that's on a simmer that goes to a full boil. Um, and that's what you're talking about with chronic illness. So when I look at chronic Lyme, I look at a fundamental model of, of many, many chronic illnesses. And uh, it's, uh, so piecing those pieces together was a 10-year process. And, uh, and and then looking at, well, what do you do about it? You know, that was the next step. Yeah, I mean, and what do you do about it is why we're talking today because one of the, one, just one of the things you did about it was you wrote this book. Um, I shared with you uh, earlier today that, you, you know, my realization along the way, I think as you have, is that, the amount of people being diagnosed with Lyme disease is, I believe, minuscule compared yep. to the amount of people that actually have it. And while we've, we've, got, we've gone into slumberland when the CDC changed their number, I think pretty much to shut everybody up, um, we're going into slumberland to think that that's all. You know, to think that, okay, we got it now. Um, when you read the book, when I read your book, and and of course some of the research I'm doing now for our exploding ticks game, one of the things that's pushing us, Dr. Rawls, is that we want to educate people, but before we can educate them, we want to make them aware. So if we can create a game that has characters in it like Ticknado or has some characters in it like the Tickinator, and we can make a board game and then a telephone app and combine that with the work that you and your team are doing, what if, what if we can reach beyond the people that are affected by the disease, but reach beyond to raise the level of awareness so that when somebody talks about Lyme disease, they spell it with a Y. Uh, I mean, that may be not a big effort if you're listening to the show and you're thinking, what a waste of time. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about why awareness has to be the first step, even before education and information. And what you've done in this book, I want to ask you to help educate us about why virulence matters. What are these things? Why should we be almost not shocked to find out these days that this may be the starting point? But more importantly in the show, you have a solution. You have several. You have calls to action that we can do. We're going to talk about that and much more when we come back. Stay tuned, everybody. 
would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day, we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Welcome to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of the Dr. Pat Show, and I am so thrilled that we've created this venue for all of you out there. Dr. Pat Basile will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. What we have heard is that you want to ensure for us that we keep positive, holistic, uplifting, transformative talk radio on the air. We're excited to bring you the contemporary conversations about Lyme disease. We promise not to let the light fade on Lyme. So fasten your seat belts. We've got lots more to share with you in the weeks to come. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio with Dr. Pat and help keep our mission strong on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Chris Stainis is a spiritual leader and healer and teaches a course on how you can transform your life through a meditation and healing system that will manifest your spirit's dreams. She manifested the Women of Wisdom Conference, the Women of Wisdom book, and this radio show. And she can show you how to change your life, too. Are you ready? Visit the website and contact her at VoicesOfWomenToday.com. That's VoicesOfWomenToday.com. If you have been struggling with fear and anxiety, you know how debilitating these emotions can be. You constantly doubt yourself, you can't make decisions, and feel more and more insecure and stuck. Dr. Friedman Schaub's book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, will provide you with the insights and tools to break through these challenges. Through a step-by-step process, Dr. Schaub explains how to resolve the subconscious root causes of fear and anxiety and build a strong foundation of inner peace and confidence. Visit www.thefearandanxietysolution.com and get your copy now. Order your copy of Dr. Friedemann Schaub's The Fear and Anxiety Solution today. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com for more information. I am so thrilled about this show today. Unlocking Lyme. Um, the book is Unlocking Lyme Myths, Truths, Practical Experience for Chronic Lyme Disease. And I'm telling you, chronic Lyme disease, and I think chronic anything, if you read this book, your life's going to change. And we're going to talk about some of the things in the book now. Um, the other thing is, uh, Dr. Rawls, again, tell folks how they can find out more about you and get copies of the book and coaching and all of the above. Uh, RawlsMD.com is a good place to find the book. You can also find it on Amazon and other booksellers. It, it's, uh, but it's, it's worth the investment, I promise. Um, on our website, there's a lot of information. 
um, just following up and carrying topics farther than the book. Um, we also are putting together health coaching, which we have found to be a really fundamental part in that whole recovery process. It's learning how to deal with it is just really important. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, um, I love that you're doing that because um, myself and a couple of other people are looking at creating a uh, a health coach certification program specifically in this arena. Right. There are a lot of those programs out there and you know it, right? But they're they're more like, yeah, health coaching, make a couple of smoothies. But we're talking about a level of knowledge specific to this that people have to be aware of. Um, right. Why do you see the need for that? Because we, we should touch upon that. I think it really links to my my comment about awareness being the first step. Sure. It's um, my concept of, of treating chronic illness or addressing chronic illness has changed with my own situation fairly dramatically. And one uh, illustration point that I'd like to do is, is uh, talk, talk about therapies in perspective. I separate therapies up into three general categories. Um, uh, restorative therapies, symptomatic therapies, and heroic therapies. So restorative therapies are things that you do to enhance the wellness systems in your body, to restore immune function, to restore uh, the homeostasis, that balance of the hormones, restore the ability of the body to take care of itself. It's things like reducing stress, uh, changing your diet, um, you know, going about exercise differently, uh, detoxification. And for I can for for all intensive purposes, I consider herbal therapy a cornerstone of that because herbs do so much to help restore the capacity of the body to take care of itself. Symptomatic therapies are things that um, basically just treat symptoms. and and sometimes that's really valuable in the beginning because healing takes a while. And it's um, so it, it and that can be drugs, but there are a lot of alternative therapies from acupuncture to CBD, uh, hemp oil that can be beneficial. Um, and using those things that have more of a restorative side is certainly to our advantage. And then heroic therapies are things like antibiotics, ozone. There's a price there, you know, and in our conventional medical system, we're using heroic and symptomatic almost exclusively. And and when you look at chronic illness, it's a really dysfunctional approach. It gets back to just treating uh, chronic illness acutely. So people don't get well, they end up in a state of managed illness. So putting those things in perspective, I use a pyramid the bottom third of the pyramid, that base is restorative. The second tier, that second third is symptomatic. It's important while healing is occurring. And then that very top, that little little uh, pyramid up at the top is heroic. And that's how we should be putting things in perspective. So if people aren't building that restorative base, if they're just doing heroic and symptomatic therapies, the chances of them getting well is profoundly reduced. So that's why I see education, this book, uh, health coaching, all of the things to help people go through that process 
of moving from where they are to a state of wellness, setting that functional foundation of restorative health is so profoundly important, um, but it's hard. It's not easy. You know, getting over Lyme disease is never one big thing. It's lots and lots of little things yep. done consistently over a long period of time. And, and people need guidance in that process to move forward. So we need more health coaches in the world. We need more of a focus on that restorative uh, aspect. And that's something that's done outside of hospitals and doctor's offices. It's not necessarily hugely expensive. Um, and once we start understanding chronic illness of any variety from that point of view, that's when we're going to really start helping people. And yeah, and, so yeah. and and here's the thing. I mean, this is one of the things I love to talk about. I love to talk about how old, ancient approaches and techniques now are what you and I are talking about. Because if you think about the evolution of mankind, right, and you take everything away, right, take all the modernization away, the equation would look like mankind, bad things, and nothing to do to prevent them, the extinction of mankind. But that's not what happened, right? right. It's mankind evolution. What are the plants I can eat? How do I essential oils? I mean, we're really clear about Egypt and, you know, uh, um, and when we look at Egypt and Saudi and places like that and in the, the, the actual revolution of oils, right? You can go back and back and back. And we look at that. Don't, you have, don't we have to ask the question is, wow, why are those people still here? What are they doing? So isn't this really us looking back? It, at what absolutely caused us to exist as mankind today. Do you sure. see what I'm saying? Before we yeah. started to throw, to this day, I don't even have a clue. What is corn syrup doing in milk? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, because we like our food cheap and we like it to taste oh. like we want it to taste. And are we have taste buds for sweet and fat. Um, you know, I, it's, uh, I've, I put a lot of thought into this whole thing. If you go back before 1900, yep. there was very, very little carbohydrate and fat in food. Generating those things was very, very expensive. And so people didn't get those things, but we have to have energy to survive. That's more important than anything else. We have to have carbohydrates into the fat to survive. You go back 10,000 or 20,000 years, and there was virtually uh, hardly any carbohydrate. P people had to eat mountains of, of vegetable matter to get enough carbohydrate to survive, and meat didn't have much fat on it. Um, so people were constantly struggling not to starve. What changed all that is petroleum. When we embrace petroleum, we changed our food supply forever. You know, right now you've, there, you've got one guy out in the Midwest on a tractor the size of a house who's producing enough corn or wheat to feed half of the population right by himself. So you've got massive amounts of, 
of single food supplies of corn and wheat um, entering into our food supply. And that made carbohydrates and fat cheap. So suddenly we could get, we could satisfy those, those, those cravings for carbohydrate and fat. And so we did so to the point that it's killing us. Well, and you know, I want to skip the next break because I want to talk about some of the myths. You know, the book is Myths, Truths, Practical Solution. And I, I, I want to make sure we full circle and get back um, because there's a lot out there about Lyme and then there's actually not very much out there about Lyme. But it's very difficult to figure out, is it real or is it Memorex? What is it? So can you shine a light on what some of the, I'd say, most glaring misconceptions or myths are about Lyme disease? Hmm. I think the big one is uh, the biggest misconception I think out there is that I've been bitten by a tick, therefore I've contracted this microbe. This microbe is making, making me ill and therefore I will not get well until I eradicate this microbe, so I have to kill the microbe. And what you find is when you look at ticks, you know, ticks have been, ticks are human, are nature's perfect vehicle for transmitting microbes. So every tick bite is an invitation for many microbes to enter your system, but ticks have been biting humans since there have been humans. So most of these things that ticks carry, we're familiar with. Our immune system knows them. Compare that to something like Ebola, where we have absolutely no recognition Ebola is a rare virus that's rarely gotten into human population. So when we get that thing, it acts like what we expect a microbe to act like. Anybody who gets infected gets sick, and they get very sick, and they don't get well until they get over the microbe. Borrelia is not like that. So when people get Lyme disease, they don't get a microbe. They are always carrying a variety of microbes. And it's this tug of war between these microbes in the margins of our microbiome and the immune system that causes us to be miserably ill for a lifetime. And, and so, it's, um, so that's, that's a huge misconception that it's one microbe. Um, I think another one is that, uh, you know, that, that, it, that our testing is, is good at finding these things. When you look at testing, it's good for testing for acute infections. But by the time that microbe has disseminated into the recesses of the body and the immune system has uh, become attenuated to its presence, uh, testing is about 50-50 at best. We're going to get better. And what we're going to find is an awful lot of people are carrying this microbe that aren't sick. And virtually everybody is carrying Epstein-Barr virus, mycoplasma, Bartonella. We've all got some of these things in the margins. Borrelia is probably worse than some. Yeah. Babesia is a little bit worse than that. You know, these aren't things you really want, but lots of people are, are not ill that are carrying it. So that range of illness, so the big question is, is there more Lyme disease? Or are we just aware of it? Um, Are all those people years and years ago who weren't being tested who were just sickly, maybe they had Lyme disease. 
Um, so maybe this thing has been much more prevalent than we recognize for a long time. And it's, uh, and it's fundamentally, it, it's part of us. It's part, uh, and so, you know, if you're not, if you're not uh, keeping a, a healthy immune system, that's the problem. So look at our past 50 years with the food we're eating and, and the, the stress we're under and the toxins that we're exposed to and all these artificial radiation devices around us. Then you start looking at it and going, well, is the microbe more prevalent or are we just seeing a lot more chronic immune dysfunction from the way people are living? And, and that, I think, is an, an interesting way to look at the problem. You know, I want to ask you, and we're going to skip the break so we can talk about solutions because I want to get to solutions. Um, I, one of the most interesting uh, debates I've had, and maybe you'll come back and we can have this debate, is on a specific body of blood work that gets done. And, you know, in the medical profession, your profession, it, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? In, uh, eosinophil. And it's a really interesting thing for me because I, I don't know why in my own blood work and my own journey, I focused on this one thing. But the reason I did was because I couldn't understand its movement. How important is it for people in general to start asking more questions of their physicians? And then the next question is, what can we help people, direct people to start to change immediately, especially with herbs and things like that? Okay, yeah. Um, one of the things that I do just from experience is, is uh, that I've written about in the book and, I, and we write on the website is helping people understand how to better use the, the medical profession except that it's good for treating acute illness and basic kinds of testing to make sure that there's not something terrible there. But quite frankly, there, most physicians in this country don't understand uh, Lyme disease and, and they really don't have a good understanding of chronic illness and why it occurs. Um, so, you know, when you walk into a doctor's office with a list of 20 complaints and he's got 15 <laughs> minutes to deal with it, you just put up a wall between you and that doctor. So I think it's, it's better for us as individuals to start looking at how do we handle problems that the medical profession is designed to, to handle. Mm. Um, chronic Lyme disease, um, you take someone who has all the symptoms of chronic Lyme disease, and in my opinion, I don't care what the testing says, they do have stealth microbes in the chance that they have Borrelia and more importantly, chronic immune dysfunction is near 100%. Right. So I don't know that. And, and so, you know, it's this concept of, well, we can't start treating you until we have a diagnosis. Okay, well, let's look at that restorative base that's so fundamentally important with the herbal therapy, all of which has virtually no toxicity. And you've got a patient who's got all the symptoms of chronic Lyme disease and all of the, the, the Lyme testing has been negative. And it's like, well, okay, 
who cares whether they have a diagnosis? Why can't they start doing these things now? <laughs> right. And, and then isn't that the message for today? Important. The message for today is let's start doing these things now. Right. Exactly. You know, be proactive. Start learning about your situation. Um, take accountability for your own situation. No one is going to save you from this. Um, you know, you, there are a lot of people out there that can help you, but this is your journey. Um, you will have to do it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, when I was going through it, I likened it to crossing the Atlantic on a small boat. Um, and there were storms and it was hard and, and, but you just keep going because that's what you got to do. But you know, there wasn't going to be a big Coast Guard vessel that came along and swooped me up. I was going to have to do that yeah. thing. And, yeah. and um, that's, that's how it is. What are you, what, you know, I know we've got a few minutes left here. I want to get to some of the herbal remedies that you discovered along the way that, you know, if you had, like we do now, you know, short minutes to talk about them, what would you want to put on somebody's radar today? Sure. Um well, herbs are great. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I think they're important, but fundamentally, they they're are. Great because of what plants do. You know, when you we've talked about these risk factors, the things that cause illness in us, including the microbes, all plants are exposed to those same factors. All right, they're dealing with a whole spectrum of microbes. They're dealing with radiation, free radicals, every kind of stress factor, and. Um, Plants don't have an immune system, so they're building this really sophisticated network of biochemistry. And, and so every plant has antimicrobial properties and, and against a wide variety of microbes. Now, that being said, I wouldn't use an herbal therapy to, create, to treat a, an acute pneumonia. That would be negligence. You know, when you've got a fast-growing aggressive microbe, a synthetic antibiotic is the appropriate therapy. But when you look at these things, plants are having to deal with those stealth, same varieties of microbes in there, and they inherently have figured out that friend versus foe problem. So the herbs don't disrupt the flora of the body. They, they balance hormones. They affect immune system in a positive way. So And, and because herbs have such inherent low toxicity, um, we can combine lots of herbs to get a really dynamic effect. Uh, we can combine herbs to get a wider spectrum of coverage. We can combine herbs to do, to do immune modulation, to reduce those inflammatory messengers that the, the, the uh, microbes are generating to break down tissue, but at the same time, boost natural killer cells in the parts of the immune system that can deal with these things. So when you look at the spectrum of things that, the, that herbs have to offer for an extremely low potential for toxicity, it's really extraordinary. Now, I've been taking fairly high dose herbal therapy for 10 years now, and things just keep getting better every year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at, at age 50, I thought I was looking at being, being disabled. By exactly, exactly. Having hip replacements, joint replacements, everything else. Wheelchair, ordering the wheelchair. Right. I'm, I'm 60 now. Um, I don't have back pain. My knees are great. I 
I'm still kite surfing. Uh, I'm kayaking. I'm doing all the things that I, I thought I, I, would, I was going to miss. And um, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I, I, one of the things I love that's happening is, let's just call it the resurgence of essential oils. Because I, I don't, essential oils to me are not new. I mean, we can go back thousands of years, but there is a resurgence. There's, there's a lot that we know, but there's, a, there's much more to learn. People are talking about cannabis oil, and they're talking about it for a lot of things. Do you believe these essential oils along with some of the mushrooms? I mean, the mushrooms, wow. But what role is essential oil going to play in all this? Because essential oils, except for oregano, I think, we don't generally drink them or take them internally. You can take some of them internally, but the the um, when you look at essential oils, you know, you, the, the a lot of plants have um, oil uh, little blebs inside the leaves and yeah. stems, and that's where the oils come from. So basically, when you do a aqueous extraction, you you get the water-based herbs. When you do an oil extraction, uh, steam distillation, you get the essential oils. So it's two different sets of chemicals. Um, so more terpenoids and, and oil-based chemicals, but they actually have very similar properties. So, um, but the oils are a little more toxic. So I use the herbs primarily, yep. and then uh, yeah, the essential oils on top of that. Um, if we had more time, I'd go into cannabis a little bit more. Um, Let's come back and do a show on it. Yeah. Let's come back okay. and do a we show do on that. it. We yeah. can do that. I, I've studied cannabis quite a lot. Um, I think CBD is good stuff, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it's it's as healing as some of the other herbs. Right. I don't think it's a cure for Lyme disease. Um, it's more symptomatic, but I think it's important as a symptomatic. Um, but it's um, so it has a place also. So the oils have a place. Uh, all of the herbs have a place. Um, we, I guess we, we don't really have time to go into detail about all the herbs, but there are a lot of great herbs out there. Uh, I have gone into good detail in the book. Yeah, the book uh, is great. But, uh, you know, I, I think everybody should be learning more about herbs. And what an opportunity. You know, that was the thing. You know, 30 years ago, there wasn't very much information available because of the Internet there has been an explosion of information about herbs available. So modern herbology is, is totally different than any traditional form of herbalism because we know so much more and we can look at the actual biochemicals in the herbs, how they affect microbes, how they affect human physiology, and we can, we can go across traditions. You know, I use herbs from from China, India, Amazon, yes. North America, Russia. And it's so cool because you get this wonderful synergy from all of these things, from all of these places. It, it's exciting. Well, I just want to tell you, I play table tennis, and I will tell you that an AV, and on any given day, I am exposed to people bringing in Chinese herbs, Japanese Right, all over the world, we have our own little melting pot, pot, uh, pot of remedies. Um, Dr. Rawls, thank you so much. We are going to come back and we're going to talk about some of these herbs in much more detail. But your book does a great job 
everything from a form of mushroom tea to bark, all of the above. And what I love about it is you make it really, really clear that this is about building strength in the immune system. That's what it's all about. Yep. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity, Dr. Pat. I really appreciate it. Well, we're going to be doing this again because we just barely touched the surface. Yeah. Yep, All right, sure. everybody. Lime Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat. Dr. William Rawls, my very special guest. The book is Unlocking Lime. It is a go-to. Um, there is an entire herbal protocol in here. We'll see you next time, everyone. Thanks for listening to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili. Epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. For more information, visit LimeTalkRadio.com and tune in next time.